Morning, everyone. Wednesday, February 21, the Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio, and a very good morning to you wherever and however you are listening. Mitchell Moses, according to the Sydney Morning Herald, set to stay with Parramatta after all. And uh, that call, well, that news coming, what, just over a week until the start of the season. Eight days away it is, the start of the NRL season, and uh, we'll continue our previews today. Dave Warner, it's officially is heading home. Uh, from India to miss the last two tests of the Border Gavaska Trophy. Huge Champions League game this morning, round of 16, first leg, Liverpool and Real Madrid at Anfield. Pup, Loz, morning to you both. Some wild weather around, at least in Sydney town. What's doing, Loza? Unbelievable, the weather last night, Mido. I didn't know what we were about to, or what was about to happen at home. The winds were strong, uh, the rain was pouring down, um, the roof held on, which was good. <laughs> I was a bit concerned there because we had some issues last year with our roof, uh, but we fixed up the tiles, we fixed up the house, so uh, everything was in good shape. It held up pretty well. But, yeah, just the fact that uh, the weather was coming down, hopefully everyone stayed safe. You got it up and fixed the roof yourself last year, didn't you? I had a look. Yeah, you had a look. Yeah, had a look. I didn't fix it. I had to get a roof tiler in. I'll tell you what, it came to my attention last night, Loz. I was sent to, finally, the United legal <laughs> ad of you uh, in the nation's capital and the surrounding yeah, area. It's about four or five. Which yeah. one did you receive? Oh, the one where you're sort of, you've got Getting a drill. Yep. And uh, oh, what is it, I guess, sort of uh, promoting the negligence Negative. of work. Yeah, and, compo, you know. And there you are, yeah. sort of. I'm a tradie, yeah. <laughs> Some of the great acting of all time. I'll tell you the uh, one you need to see, which is better when I'm the pilot. <laughs> When I'm the pilot. Oh, dear. When I'm the pilot, you should see my acting there. I'm up for an Academy Award. Mm. Mm. And I dare say said company business is booming United as a result. Yep. Yeah, company United. is booming. He sent yeah. me a message the other day, actually. Mm. Pete, Pete Glover. Morning, Pete, by the way. Um, he said he's going really well. He said even his 89-year-old father is getting a laugh out of There you go. Out of these your commercials. performances. Mm. There you go, pup. Some acting. Have you ever done, had to do acting? Oh, you would have been some various it's, commercials. It's not your go, is it? Uh, morning, boys. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not an actor, no. 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 I'm a straight shooter, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. I can't hide much. You normally, no. what you see is what you get, which yeah. sometimes gets me into a lot of trouble. But yeah. No, I can do? act. I can act. Oh, that doesn't look like you can act. You just look, you, are you meant to be getting electrocuted? Yes. Oh, okay. That's then that's very that. okay. I take that back. Very mm. good acting. Mm. And it it's not one of those ones where they fast forward you doing it either. Oh, you got to do it on. You got to. Yeah. You got to do the. Yeah, I got to do the, 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 the shake. Yeah. yeah okay. Shake. Well, no, very good acting. So there wasn't too many cuts. Yeah. No, I don't. Um, I've never <laughs> really enjoyed. T- well, TV commercials mm. and photo shoots. It's it is part and parcel of. You know, if you get sponsored by a company, then yeah. generally you've got, to do, you've got to do things like that. But, yeah, I think as long as there's an understanding when you walk into the room that you're not an actor, I think generally you oh, can laugh you, at yourself. Yeah, but yeah. when they, you know, when you're like, you're modelling for something and they want you to like oh, be a model, be the model yeah. go, I'm, I'm not a model, I'm, yeah. I'm a cricketer yeah. or an ex-cricketer. Yeah. But 
I was, yeah. Well, I think when they have a good look at me, they know I'm not <laughs> well, a model. But even like but they, TV they, commercials, yeah, they want you to, oh, can you, I'll you know. I'll do it again. Yeah, like it's look more natural. Yeah. <laughs> How can it look more natural? There's a camera yeah. staring at me. There's 45 people telling me what to do. And, and I'm trying to act like I'm getting yeah. electrocuted. And they want you to remember about six or seven lines. <laughs> no, nah, you need auto-cue. Yeah, auto-cue. Definitely need auto-cue. But I'm a non-speaking part <laughs> in mine. I don't you have do to best. speak. How good. Oh, actually, when I'm the pilot. It's the I perfect TV speaking. commercial if you don't have to mm. speak. Uh, by the way, we need to start the show again, as it's pointed out on the text line. It's What's February happened? 22nd, not 21st. I don't know what I've oh, done. I've written down 22nd. Oh, Wednesday, February 22nd. Lent. Actually, I thought today was Thursday. We're good Catholic people, Here aren't we? we are. Hang on. So today's Wednesday. Yeah. I thought today was Thursday. No, nah, mate. Okay, yeah. Wednesday the 22nd. Mm. Gotcha. Idea. So we'll just start That's again. That's good news. John, we're starting again. G'day, everyone. Wednesday, February. Uh, what is it? February. <laughs> February, February 22nd. Uh, Given right. you're a good Catholic boy, Mido, what are you giving up? Oh. I, know, I know what I'm giving up. <laughs> it's not chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Catholic. Uh, even more so now. <laughs> Gosh, we oh. used to do that, didn't we? Oh, I know. A few Our Fathers. Mm. Yeah, when you were at confession? school, you had to. Yeah, it was, it was a school thing. Oh, mate, I did, did we make 40 days for anything once? Probably not. Forgive us for we have sinned. Yeah. Uh, well, when you went into confession it's as a kid. a long time, 40 yeah. days. <laughs> did the box burn down? I'll tell you what, I'm No, just... you'd lie. <laughs> <laughs> when you went... you, you'd lie. Because <laughs> yeah. you didn't do anything wrong, no. I think, oh, what can I say? <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'd make up something. Oh. <laughs> Gosh, I'll tell you what, I'm probably due for that. Uh, yeah. No, the box will burn down. <laughs> Stay out. Uh, Mitch Moses, are you disappointed as a Tigers fan? Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Don't believe everything you read. Oh, Michael Chemis's mail's generally Don't pretty good. Don't believe everything you read. Oh, have you got some mail yourself? No, it's not my place. No, I'm just saying, don't believe everything you read. I think both options are still, still on the table. Well and truly on the table. Okay, interesting. Uh, he's going to Parramatta. Chemis gets good before. mail from he does. Eels, yeah. yeah, he does. You've always had some. Sometimes mail I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. Mail though. Around, Sometimes around I get it right. Sometimes I get it wrong. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, well, I don't think it's signed, sealed, delivered just yet. That's all. Mm. Okay, that's all. Well, I think we're whole, uh, you know, waiting with bated breath because we think that both teams. Um, Mitch is looking to go to where he thinks he can win a premiership. And obviously, both clubs think that they can. He can lead them to a premiership, so that's why they're in negotiations. But if he chooses Parramatta, he obviously thinks that they're the team that's still on the rise compared to the recruitment drive that the West Tigers have had. He's got an option for twenty twenty four, which he needs to trigger by April one, but that'll be extended and upgraded now. And they reckon you know this will average out to be one point two five. Over the life of his, his contract per year, so he's definitely going to be one of the highest paid players in the game. Um, so financially, he hasn't missed out. The Tigers' offer was believed to be a bit higher than that, about one point three over one point three over four. Hmm. Um, but Parramatta have done a really good job to be able to re-sign him and Dylan Brown to long-term deals, because as we keep talking about, you know, you just never know, or. You know, the grass is not always greener on the other side. And mm. if you've got a halfback that you think can win you a grand final, he's established himself as one of the 
the better number sevens in the game. He's 28 years of age. His best football is still in front of him. Why run the risk of losing him if you can afford to pay him that type of money? And with the salary cap going up by a couple of million dollars, they've been able to, to do that. Gee, we're getting close to talking about games as well. So a boost for Parramatta provided this obviously goes through. And I just keep looking at this market for tomorrow week. $2.20 with tab Parramatta Melbourne at $1.67. Is that market wrong? The more I look at it, and I know Melbourne have this unbelievable round one record, I just think that uh, Parramatta coming off I know, a grand final triumph with their squad largely intact. Melbourne have still got issues. Yeah, but they're, they're, Olam, uh, there's two, two, factors, two factors for mine that I think the market has taken into account. Parramatta will be a different side to their grand final team that they run out there against Melbourne. And no Reed Marnie, and, and, and Melbourne's track record. So there's no yeah. Reed Marnie, but their back row will be significantly different. There's no Sean Lane. There's no Ryan Madison. Uh, there is uh, no uh, Narada Niakora. Uh, there's, um, yeah, so, so there's uh, no Isaiah Papali. Mm. So there's four of their back rowers that were in that grand final score. And I don't think Nathan Brown is available for round one either. So there's a fair part, fair chunk of their back row or their forward rotations that will be missing for game one. So, yeah, Parramatta at home. Um, yes, they were impressive in that trial match last weekend. But I think the market could be a little bit closer, but I think you'd have Melbourne as favourites, wouldn't you? Only just. I think it should be closer to maybe Melbourne at $1.80, para $2. Yeah. But if you like Parramatta, you're getting good value. Well, that's what I'm saying. Melbourne weren't that moment, impressive in their trials. At the moment, para is a bet, is what I'm saying. Well, I know the oh, they've got to break the hoodoo. Well, though. the Roosters beat Melbourne, and then Melbourne in that first 40 minutes against the Warriors the other day, they weren't great. I think it was six all at half time. Their completion rate was ordinary, but then they turned it around a bit in the second half. And again, you know, you don't look too much into trials. But um, I've always said the opening month of the competition, there's always upsets. Mm. You know, you can't get a decent read on a team, I reckon, until about four weeks in. And then you can start to see what they've worked on in the off-season, where, where the improvements are coming from, what adjustments they've made, and whether they can start to get that consistency in their football. Okay, David Warner. So, back page of the telly, an open wound. Matt goes into bat for Wobbly Warner, and uh, Matt being Matthew Hayden, who's uh, over there, as you know, commentating in India. Uh, also on the back page of the Herald, Warner's career on brink as he flies home. Back page of the Australian, Warner's exit forces, forces rethink for top order. So, it was confirmed that uh, he is coming home after suffering that hairline fracture to his elbow and, of course, had that concussion as well, but uh, mainly needs to get that elbow right. Uh, just the risk of doing further damage, so taking no chances. Back home for the last... Well, misses the last two tests. Matthew Hayden, uh, adamant, telling News Corp in these articles that he's not finished yet, and if you drop a legend, well, who's the person to replace him, Hayden says. Um, oh, I think, Clarkie, we're very much in agreement here. I mean, there's no obvious incumbent... or well, replacement, sorry... Uh, but uh, in the short term, who would you have opening the batting next Wednesday? They'll if... have to open with Travis Head because they did it in the last in the second innings. That'll allow Peter Hanscom to stay in the team and bat at five, and I think Cameron Green comes back in at six mm. if he's fit. If Cameron Green's not fit, then that it, it, 
the reason they have to open with Travis said is because that allows Renshaw to stay at five, Peter Hanscom to stay at six. Mm. And that's what they've done in the previous test matches, tried to play those guys. Um, so that's all they can do. Who who are they? Are they sending a batter over? Did I well, hear Cameron, uh, Cameron Bancroft is being sent over? His name's being mentioned. I dare say Cricket Australia might make a call on that today. So what's happened to Harris? Yeah, that's a good call too. Where, where, where's he disappeared to? Uh, well, he's played in the Sheffield Shield match for Victoria. So even even that selection last uh, through the summer, he was a spare batsman. Wasn't There'd be he? a lot of confused cricketers at the moment, wouldn't Mate, there be? Seriously, I'd take Bancroft over Harris though. Bancroft's been top uh, run scorer, I think, in the Shield this season, and obviously has you know. Had a, well, both he and Harris have had varying success yesterday. Well, Harris in this current Shield game. Uh, scores of fifteen and twelve. You got, I think he got a big hundred last last game. Yep. And I think Bancroft, uh, yeah, like I said, is lead, the leading uh, run scorer this summer. Yeah, whoever they take, pretty uh, sure is going to be. This, they're not going to play, in my opinion. They're going to go. They have to go. Travis Head now, really, at the top of the order to allow them to play Renshaw and Hanscom, or if Cameron Green comes back in, then you'd imagine it'd be Hanscom and Cameron Green. Yeah, Bancroft got out for one yesterday for WA. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, look, I, I think again we've we've had the conversation about Davy Warner. I think all three of us are sitting the, the same page. It, it, it's okay to to drop someone, but you've got to you've got to find someone better to select. And I don't think the grass is always green. Opening the batting is as tough as it comes in Test cricket. Um, certainly, you know, on our next tour. Going to the Ashes and opening the batting there is going to be very tough, no matter who. Gets when when or you're who dropping a, a great player, or you, you're dropping someone towards their end of your career, I, I always reckon you've got to be sure that you, you're not going to want to get them back into the team at some point. Yeah, I, and I think what he's been able to achieve throughout his career so far has earned him the right to get an extended stay, mm. and I reckon. The Ashes would be the series where they look to judge him. Yeah. And if he fails at the Ashes, well, then they've got the big I think I think, per, I think Davies made it pretty clear that the Ashes would be his yeah. his last hurrah anyway, yeah. to be honest. Um, but, yeah, look, look, there was only a couple of test matches ago he got a double hundred at the MCG. I know he's... Test record in the last twelve months hasn't been as good as what we expect, but even that—that's that tells you, you know, how good a player he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he got a double hundred three Test matches ago, and the media is onto him. So, yeah, but you, you said it the other day, Mido. When you get to this stage of your career, and the media get a little inkling that you know you're not performing as well as you like, just that in the paper every single day. Oh. He scores. You know, they pick up how he gets out. They start commenting on, you know, his feet movement, all, all this stuff. It just gets mm. momentum. And then the selectors are in a situation where they've got no choice. But I think it, I think as a selector, that's where you've got to look at, okay, what are our options? Is there someone better to come in and replace David Warner in this series, firstly? Under pressure, what we've just seen in India. But also understand the series is over now. Australia can't win. So there's a little bit of less pressure in India. And then an Ashes series, major pressure. I think I know who I'd want walking out to bat in that first test match as our two openers, if I had it my way. I don't want a rookie opener walking out there at Edgebaston. No way. Or, or, or an opener who's like a Harris or someone yeah. who have, hasn't yet proven themselves, yeah. let's face it. And yeah. you'd, I'd like to think if you go Warner, Kawaja, Labashane, Smith, Travis Head, Cameron Green, 
that be our top six for England. I think those six batters are definitely going to be better equ- equipped for England conditions definitely. than we are in, in India. The other thing that kills me, and I swear this is an anti-New South Wales thing. It's something we don't suffer from in New South Wales. Well, I don't, I don't think we do. <laughs> I mean, just commentators around the country that just love their own states. This is the Australian cricket team. Yeah, it shouldn't matter where you're from, that's for sure. I don't don't know what it is in Victoria, Queensland, Western Australia. It seems like every time an Australian team's picked, they're just looking at who their own are that's in the team. I I don't know. I've just never looked at an an Australian team and gone, gee, how many New South Wales players? Yeah, that's probably because we've always had (laughs) majority. It It just seems to be a sickness interstate. Some of the commentary I saw yesterday around Bancroft from WA people, and they're very parochial. Mm It's the Australian cricket team. Yeah, it is. But uh, well, having said that, though, who from New South Wales could you push or make a case for at the moment? Well, no one. To replace really. Warner, no one. Well, I've just gone through the – this is the Sheffield Shield leading run scorer. So Bancroft, 591 runs, leads uh, average of 49. Uh, Hanscom's p- played three games left, has a 281 not out in there, averaging 81. He's second. Daniel Hughes, who, as you've mentioned a few mm. times – uh, 514 runs at 42.83 this summer. Then you got like the likes of Hilton Cartwright, Sam Whiteman, both from WA. Uh, Tim Ward from Tassie, averaging 40 this Where's summer. Where's Harris? Uh, Harris, this summer, six matches, 415 runs at 37.72. See, it's still like this is the, if he's the incumbent, those numbers are still good enough for him to hold his position, in my opinion. But I, I, I don't necessarily know if he is the best next opener for us. So that's why I was surprised when they picked, picked him. Was it last summer? Brought him back in for a game last summer, did they? Was or was it two or before? Yeah, it he, he, I think ago. he might have been the spare batter on our last tour. I think he was in the first squad named this summer. Yeah, okay. Against yeah, when we played the it was. West so, Indies. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, so, um, so, so Harris yeah. is, is missing from this squad. Possibly unlikely to go to the the Ashes if they're drafting players in now. No, well, that's what I'm saying. What I actually think go? I think they picked I think they picked Hanscom in front of Harris, for example, based on conditions, based on going to India. Right. They think Hanscom's a better. Well, I think Hanscom's a better handled himself well over. Yeah, he's played well. He's played well. So you don't think he'll go to? Don't the Ashes? well again. You get an opportunity. It's it's up to him. Yeah. I think I think at the moment the way Peter Hanscom's playing, he's, well, he's going to be hard leave, to leave out. Say Renshaw. He's French. gone to no. India, failed in India. Is he better in English conditions? <sighs> Mate, this is my thing with Renshaw. I think he's a better opener than middle order batter. So, you know, I don't understand why they picked him to bat at number five in the first test match in front of Travis Head. Well, the big wild card is Will Pukowski. Yeah. Oh, he's not, he, he, no no way, is, he, no way is Will Pukowski playing in the Ashes series in England. No way. There's that. I, I, I think. I think Will's. I think Will's a, a full year of first class cricket. Get through that. Enjoy his cricket. Score some runs, and then I, I'd love to see Will back playing for Australia. I think he's a super talent. Great kid. Uh, huge potential. So yeah, I, 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 sitting here now, I say he's definitely going to play for Australia again, but not in the short term. I don't think you can put that pressure on him. Imagine the first yeah. game back for Australia, walking out to bat in Edgebaston. <laughs> no, that, but that, but that is, I guess, my Against point. Against Joffre Archer. That is my point. Um, 
I'm, I'm picking Davey Warner. If in da- if we don't sit here now and have somebody that is 100% going to walk out and, and perform better than Davey Warner, it's a no-brainer. Stick with what we know. Again, you take an experience. That's where I would always say the major tours, so say an, an Indian tour and an Australian and an Ashes tour, I would stick with my more senior players for those two trips. And then after that, like we come back after England and play West Indies in Australia and someone, and someone else. You can then say, Davey, thanks for everything you've done. It's now time to give a youngster a go to get himself five, 10, 20 test matches under his belt before he has to play in a, a major Ashes series or something like that. So I just think for England... I think we just have to understand how tough that tour is and look at what we've got in front of us now. Even what I thought was a, a pretty strong batting unit or as well experienced the batting unit as we've had go to India for a long time, we've performed terribly. So if our most senior players are performing terribly, it's only going to be harder for a youngster especially at the top of the order. Just some souse that we didn't get to on the back pages of the papers today. He's still smiling in eye of a storm on the back page of the telly and the back page of the Herald. Pommy Grenet Burgess hard at work with South's pack. So, uh, well, today, Latrell Mitchell and Jack Whiten face the ACT Magistrates Court after their little incident uh, the other week down in the nation's capital. But uh, the article on the back page of the telly just, uh, well, there's a quote there from our man Cookie, uh, saying that, uh, you know, the way he's handled himself, hats off to him. Latrell Mitchell, uh, since that little incident, has been uh, was certainly uh, effective in their trial win, their charity shield win against the Dragons the other day, and the Herald article just pointing to the impact that Sam Burgess is having, very hands-on, as you can imagine he would be, and uh, has now moved into that assistant role there at the Bunnies, and... Uh, the players loving having Sam Burgess there, and he would have an impact loss, the impact he's had on that club. Oh, I could imagine, you know, uh, Sam's one of the, the great players for South Sydney. We can all remember what he did for them when he won the grand final in 2014, playing with that broken cheekbone. Um, you know, I don't think you'd argue that Sam wasn't one of the toughest players that's ever played the game. He's earned the respect of a lot of people there at South Sydney and in the rugby league world in, in general. So to have a guy like that around would certainly give them plenty of confidence and he'll add a bit of oomph to their forward pack. South are building nicely. They look good in the trial match against the Dragons. Um, they look a more settled team this year. They're 12 months further down the track under their coach, Jason Dimitriou. Lachlan Ilias has had 12 months in the job, so he doesn't come in with all that pressure and expectation that he did filling the boots of Adam Reynolds last season. So I, I expect South Sydney to have a terrific season. And, and be a team that's really there fighting at the end of the year for the premiership. Uh, now, Champions League this morning, kicking off 7 o'clock, just under 50 minutes' time. Liverpool and Real Madrid at Anfield. Round of 16, first leg. Uh, the market with tab, Liverpool $2.20, Real Madrid $3.20. The draws three forty. Uh, the other game this morning is Eintracht Frankfurt up against Napoli. And Frankfurt's $3.20, Napoli $2.25 favourites travelling to Germany. And the draw is $3.40. Now, just some suggestions, RE David Warner on the text line. Keep it coming, 0419767272. Lads, Mark Taylor walked out as a rookie opener in his first Ashes series, got 100. To me, Warner looks like he's lost his eye. Once that goes, no coming back. Renshaw should be the opener with Kawaja. Cheers, Shannon. Um, Clark Yari Warner, ask yourself who would England like to see the team? I reckon they'll be very, very happy 
If order is picked, know what plans work to get him out. Not to mention he is broad slash England's bunny in England. Time for water to go for me. Ironic if his spot is taken by Bancroft. Um, and uh, given he was thrown under the bus after Sandpaper Gate, says Steve sending that one in. Openers for the Ashes. Uh, Sean Marsh slash Mitch Marsh. Ash Agar and Wes Agar must also play. Think I could be a selector, says Steve. Surely that's tongue-in-cheek. Hmm. Hello, Dick. Hello, gentlemen. Let's start with the NBA and the All-Star game. Jason Tatum, MVP, 55 points. Surely, Dick, this game's dead, isn't it? That was an absolute farce. It's getting worse. How can you even say that? But, uh, I mean, you've seen what they've done with the Pro Bowl and the NFL. What's next for the All-Star game? Yeah, that's... I mean, the, the only highlight that came out of All-Star weekend was the... Uh, you know the CBA player Max McClung winning the uh, the slam dunk competition. That was uh, very very impressive for a guy that's uh, really not even an NBA player. But uh, I think Michael Malone, the coach of the, the the Nuggets, said it the best. It was the worst basketball game he's ever seen. And <laughs> you you got to get if players won't buy in, then it isn't worth having a game. It's it's a great spectacle. People like to see the greatest players in the world all gathered at the same place, and so. I'm just hoping that uh, there's there's something that could get the players incentivized, uh, whether it's rule changes, uh, you know, whether it's you know given, you know, giving more money to the to to the winners, what have you. But y- you need to have guys that that want to play a requisite basketball game. They don't have to play playoff defense. I get it. Um, heck, they don't play playoff defense in a, in a regular season game in December, so they don't need to. <laughs> need to play it for the all-star game, but they do need to play some sort of, of defense. It can't just be, you know, guys driving by and getting wide open dunks with, with no help side defense at all. Dick, how much does injuries like what's happened to LeBron turn to, uh, clubs away from wanting a game like this? Well, and yeah, and then the honest injury doesn't help either, yeah, you know, exactly. with his, with his wrist. And, and so I think that, uh, that gives players some pause, but I would just say that this to the, to the NBA players who are worried about getting hurt in the all-star game. I mean, you get to sit out anytime you want in the NBA anyway, you know? So if you get a three week injury in the all-star game, you get, you get a good excuse for load management and rest yourself up for the playoffs. I mean, the only, the only tragic situation that could happen is if somebody blows a knee out in the all-star game. And I would say that there's probably just as good a chance for somebody going up for a dunk coming down on somebody's ankle and blowing their knee out than there is actually playing a hard basketball game. And I, I, I would bet sports scientists might even tell you that there's a, there's a better chance to stay, stay safe if you're totally 100% focused on, on playing the game versus just kind of being out there with a frivolous nature. But, uh, yes, it's got to change. Uh, the NFL made significant changes in their Pro Bowl weekend this year. I mean, I don't. I, I won't say that it it worked tremendously, but it wasn't a disaster. And maybe the NBA can do something uh, of the same. All right. As far as uh, the season proper is concerned, Russell Westbrook to the LA Clippers. How does? Excuse me. Sorry. What's been the impact of this stick? Uh, well, the, sorry, the reaction to this. I see they're behind Phoenix and Denver in betting for the Western Conference. Does this make them contenders? <laughs> Here's what I'll say. This is I, I was trying to think of a, of a good analogy. And the best analogy I can think of is everybody's sitting around uh, the, a fire pit and somebody brings out a Roman candle. 
and they say, all right, I'm going to throw this Roman candle in the fire pit. <laughs> now, the Roman candle might stick straight up, and you might have a really, really cool fireworks display sitting around drinking beers around the fireplace. There's a much better chance that that Roman candle ends up pointing at somebody and likely kills them. And that is Russell Westbrook going to any basketball team. Yes, he has the talent that if he is willing to buy in, uh, he is willing to play nice with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And, and we know Kawhi's already a salty Gus as it, as it is. So I don't know how Kawhi's going to like this. But there is an outside chance that Russell Westbrook could make that team explode in a positive direction. And I would consider them as one of the three or four teams that if everything went correctly, they could make it all the way to the NBA Finals. Um, but there is much more of a likelihood that Russell Westbrook tears the team down and Kawhi gets salty and, and they don't like each other. And, and the same <laughs> thing happens there that happened with the Lakers. So I, would, I, I wouldn't bet on the Clippers going to the finals. I'll put it that way. What about in the NFL, Dick? What about this story about DK Metcalf and a random drug test? What's happened there? Well, there was a, uh, a viral picture that was put out of, of DK Metcalf. And I, I don't know if there's even any confirmation that it wasn't a doctored photo, but you can look up uh, DK Metcalf vertical leap and you'll, and you'll see it. And it, it appears that he is jumping like five feet in the air uh, at some sort of, I don't know if it was a photo shoot, uh, an endorsement campaign, what have you, but he's just you know, standing in shorts and a T-shirt in the end zone, and he jumps up and catches a football with one hand. And, it, I mean, my God, it looks like he's jumping over a house. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, the DK puts on Instagram 24 hours later, hey, look, the NFL wants me to take a drug test. So I, ha I have no idea if those two things are related. But uh, DK Metcalf certainly has uh, the probably the greatest Adonis body of anybody in the in the NFL. So it's it's not surprising that uh, that you know he would he would be tabbed to do something like this. But DK Metcalf has had this body for years and years. I mean, DK Metcalf was famous for posting a photo um, pre-draft of him standing shirtless, and everybody looked at him like, my God. I mean, that is like the most ridiculous body I've ever seen. Uh, now, the Green Bay Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, uh, has he emerged from his four-day darkness retreat? <laughs> Have we heard anything about this and uh, uh, how he yet. found it? Yeah, nothing uh, nothing concrete as of yet, but uh, it, it will be soon. He will have to make a decision soon as to what he what he wants to do. And, and Green Bay certainly doesn't want a disgruntled Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback if he doesn't want to be there, but... I think it's time for Green Bay to move off of Aaron Rodgers while he still has some value. Um, they they drafted Jordan Love for a reason. Jordan Love has just sat there for years upon years playing back up to Aaron Rodgers, and we have seen that bad quarterback contracts can can kill a franchise. And Aaron Rodgers still has one year left on his deal. It's not a terrible cap hit, really. It's $31 million, which is kind of what they're talking about, you know, the ballpark for, for Geno Smith this year. So it's not a terrible deal for Aaron Rodgers. It's not crippling to the franchise if they were to keep him. But they only want Aaron Rodgers if he, is, if he wants to play, if he wants to be like the 2020 and the 2021 Aaron Rodgers, not the 2022 Aaron Rodgers. And I just think... I think you could still get a first-round draft pick for Aaron Rodgers if he traded him to the right spot, and and why not go that direction? Because Green Bay showed last year, even with Aaron Rodgers, 
they're still just a you know an average to above average team. I don't think that that roster is close to being a Super Bowl champion. Well, talking about first round draft picks, we know that Chicago have the number one pick in the draft, and there's some talk about Justin Fields and whether they go and you know trade him and go for a quarterback in the draft. What do you reckon Chicago does with Justin Fields, and also about his comments about how the you know, uh, you know, the cold and windy weather over there in Chicago affects his game. Right. I, I think uh, Justin Fields is a, a phenomenal athlete. Um, he put up numbers like we really haven't seen by anybody at the quarterback position other than maybe a Lamar Jackson and a Michael Vick. I mean, he had 1,100 yards rushing last year. And, and for those that, uh, you know, just want to put that in context, that would be a, a very solid yardage total for a running back and he is doing it at the quarterback position now he only completed 60 percent of his passes this year 7.1 yards per attempt which is very mundane as a passer so i think the bears just need to to ask themselves all right do we think we can improve justin fields as a passer the way you know, Lamar Jackson improved as a passer, you know, after his second year in, in the league. And if so, then, you know, we're probably set with Justin Fields. But I do think Justin Fields, just by by his athleticism, I don't think he's hurt his his stock. I mean, he was picked overall 11th in the draft two years ago. And he has had two seasons that, while I wouldn't call them world-beating, they have been head-turning, at least, with his uh, ability to run the football. And I think there are teams that think that, Justin Fields would be a, 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 a player that could take them to the next level. And I was talking about a first-round draft pick for Aaron Rodgers. Justin Fields still under contract for another couple of years for no money. You could get much more than a first-round draft pick if you decided to trade Justin Fields. Uh, now, in golf, John Rahm won the Genesis Invitational, but uh, what did everyone make of Tiger Woods' performance? Tied for 45th, finishing one under par. It was encouraging to me, guys. Um I felt like uh, I thought there was a better chance Tiger missing the cut than there was Tiger making the cut. And his iron play looked really, really refined. I mean, he was, and there was even some, I was hearing the commentators say, wait a second, is Tiger Woods still the best iron player in the world? And, and when you, when you talk about that type of accolades, when you're, putting him up with the, you know, the Colin Morikawa's of the world uh, as far as just with dialed-in irons, uh, that's some pretty high praise. He didn't have a good putter, didn't have a good, uh, didn't have a good long game. We all know that the long game is going to come around, particularly at a place like Augusta where you can be a little bit wild, and even if you're under a tree in the pine straw, you're still okay. So I'm very encouraged with what I saw from Tiger. I'd like to see him again. Uh, maybe at a Bay Hill in Florida where he's, you know, won umpteen times to get him ready for the Masters. But I'd be willing, if I saw another good performance from Tiger, I would be ready to at least put some shekels on, on Tiger Woods at Augusta. Maybe not to win, but maybe a top 10 or a top 20 and, uh, and feel pretty good about it. And uh, finally, Dick, Michael Jordan turned 60. How, I guess, widely was it celebrated? The great Air Jordan 60th. Yeah, it, it was it was celebrated, and I think uh, you know Michael Jordan 
is in a is in a weird situation right now where the the talk is about LeBron James and the, and the birthday happened right after LeBron James breaking the record and the the LeBron Jordan debate has once again been fired up again and usually happens when LeBron is in the finals that's when we usually do the LeBron Jordan debates well LeBron's not going to be in the finals this year so it has to come right now when the when LeBron uh, breaks the all-time scoring record but uh, there's always something with Michael Jordan whether it's the you know during COVID and LeBron James is winning the championship and and you know the the documentary comes out that everybody watches of Michael Jordan. There's always something out there of Michael Jordan just to kind of remind you that, hey, hey, wait a second. For all those that think LeBron's the best, don't forget about the 23. Do they get on Dick, Jordan, and LeBron? They seem to. I mean, we don't have there, – there's not a lot of of times when we've seen them together. I mean, yeah. the time that I – that I can think of uh, recently was last year, this past week, when they did the uh, the anniversary of the NBA and they celebrated at the All-Star Game and they brought back as many all-time greats as they possibly could to be in one arena at one time. And, you know, they talked and they, they you know, they shook hands and they smiled and they laughed. And, and so, I mean, there wasn't, we have not heard anything as far as bad blood about LeBron and, and Jordan. And of course, you know, LeBron has mentioned many times how how influential Michael Jordan was uh, in his career growing up. Just kind of you know, because Michael was the unquestioned goat when when LeBron James was growing up. What about the blow up with the photo of Carl Malone being involved in it, Dick? What was the what was the reaction over there? The photo of Carl Malone and and which which one of you? I, he I'm he not got sure photographed with. Um, uh, I think it was at the All Stars game with LeBron, and was there was Kareem. another one, Kareem. Kareem. Yeah, and and there was something to do with um, oh. here we are celebrating Carl uh, Malone. Yet his past and history of his what what he what he did when he was in his twenties. Something about Interesting. yeah, there was something about him. Ah, uh, yeah. So in, I'm just reading the article here. In 1983, 20, 20 year old Malone impregnated a 13 year old girl. Yeah, and uh, no charges were ever brought of him. Oh, okay, right. So just the fact that Malone a, was in the photo, he was in the photo, and and social oh, media reacted and was saying, I "How can you celebrate the three this one? leading point scorers of yeah. all time?" Yeah, mm-hmm. but they were they were, yeah, they were, they were very critical the of why yeah, okay. the NBA uh, allowed that allowed it to happen. Okay, it's just a, obviously a Utah legend, Carl Malone, isn't he? Yeah, and I, and I and this is this is something you know. This is a story that I don't think is is widely known about. Maybe in, maybe until now, but uh, you know, Carl Malone has you know he's got a very good reputation amongst amongst the fans. I mean, he was he was hated by anybody that uh, mm-hmm. that didn't like Utah because they won so much, and he and he and Stockton uh, ran that city for a long, long time. But uh, yeah, there's always going to be something, right? <laughs> On, on social media, but uh, that's the first I've actually actually heard of it. But as I mentioned, I was on vacation last week, so I missed much of the uh, of the All Star Weekend festivities. Dick, appreciate it as always, mate. Have a great week. Sounds good, boys. We'll talk to you next week, and the uh, NFL free agency will be right around the corner when we talk next week, and we might even have some destinations of some of these quarterbacks by then. Love it. Thanks so much. Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast and uh, Sheffield Shield. There were three matches yesterday. Uh, All states involved there in the Shield and New South Wales playing Queensland at the Gabba. New South Wales at Stumps. 
nine for 311. Matthew Jilks, the keeper, 94, top scored there for the Blues. Chris Green, down the order, 52. Next, the bowlers, uh, well, Neeser, one for 72. Steckety, one for 62. It was Xavier Bartlett, three for 45. And Jack Sinfield, three for 70. The chief destroyers there in that shield game. That would be a decent st- score, given that they were sent into bad. Yes. Yeah. You get sent in, 300. At the Gabba. Definitely. Yeah. It looked green, too. Seen the highlights. Did it? Yeah, the pitch yeah. looked green. So, yeah, it's a, um, yeah, it's a good effort. Bowl well in the first dig. Good give opportunity us, for him. Give us a call, 1353-53. Send us a text, 0419-767-272. And just a reminder, that Champions League game, not too far away uh, between... Liverpool and Real Madrid obviously played in the Champions League final last season, won by Madrid a 1-0 there in Paris. And the market with tab Liverpool 2.20, Madrid 3.20, the draw $3.40 uh, for that one. Now, shortly we're going to look, in fact, let's get stuck into, we're going to look at Parramatta for season 2023. After in 2022, the Eels finished fourth, with 16 wins and 8 defeats. Then in the finals, they lost to Penrith 27-8. to They beat Canberra 40-4. to Then they had that famous preliminary final victory up in Townsville against the Cowboys 24-20. to In the grand final, blown away early and lost 28-12 to in the end. And they enter season that 2023 in the betting. Well, for a team that made the grand final last year, the expectation is them to, I guess, to regress because they're on the eighth line of betting at $15 to win the premiership. Seventh line of betting, I should say, $15. Uh, 375 to make the top four again. $1.75 to make the top eight. $2 to miss the top eight are the Eels. As far as their gains and losses are concerned, they've got Josh Hodgson, of course, to fill the void left by Reid Marnie who's gone to the dogs. So Josh Hodgson in from the Raiders, Jermaine Hopgood from Penrith, Juro Momosia from Newcastle, Jack Murchie from the Warriors, and Matt Dury from the Bulldogs as well. Nia Kore's gone to the Warriors, Isaiah Papali'i to the Tigers, Ray Stone to the Dolphins, Oregon Kafusi to the Sharks, Hayes Perham along with Marnie to the Dogs, Tom Apachik has gone over to the Super League. Uh, Loz, is the market right? Are the Eels regressing from their season 2022 performance where they finished fourth and made the grand final? Well, in my eyes, they will because I don't think they'll play in the grand final this season. Uh, I really enjoyed the way Parramatta played last year. Um, I thought, you know, they created offloads. Uh, They were more playing uh, ad-lib style footy rather than structured footy. And I think that really suits this Parramatta side and in particular their halves. The big question mark will be Josh Hodgson and how he comes through this year and what he does for the games of Brown and also Mitch Moses. I think that Josh Hodgson, he's a key. Yes, no, Reed Marnie. Uh, Marnie got through a lot of work in the middle. Hodgson's a different style of player. He's got to learn not to overplay his hand. He's got all the tricks. He's got a good kicking game, both long and short. Uh, he's very good uh, with his talk. Um, and he's someone that can take pressure off Moses and Brown. Uh, and by allowing him the opportunity to be a leader in this team, I think it'll free up those two. So I think it works in their favour if he's fit and, as I said, doesn't overplay his hand. They've got strong uh, 
front rowers, Regan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Paulo. Well, if you've got those two in your side, you're always going to go forward. Uh, bit of a concern in the back row because Isaiah Papali last year was probably one of the standout back rowers in the competition, and he really added some drive on that right edge. Um, they've got Ryan Madison to come in uh, and replace him. He started off the, the bench in those big games towards the end of last season. Sean Lane was one of the most improved players of the comp. So they had strike on either side. Uh, Madison's a different style of player to Papa Lee. He's more of a work rate and ball player, whereas Papa Lee was a line breaker. Uh, so that may take away a little bit on that side of the field. Um, they are missing a lot of their back rowers to start the season. Um, so that'll put them behind the eight ball. You know, they could run out with a back row uh, in that first game against Melbourne. You know, could be Matt Dory, Jack Murchie and Jermaine Hopgood. Um, that's the back row f- for the Eels to start the season with. Um, still a question mark about their depth in the outside backs. I thought Penasini was terrific towards the end of last season. You know what you're going to get off Gutho. Um, you know, Wonga Blake, I think he could be missing the start of the year as well. I don't think he played in any trials. Um, so there's still a question mark with some of their outside backs. I think they are a top eight team, but I don't think they'll be making top four. Uh, I don't definitely don't think they'll make the grand final this year, unless you know the Dorries and the Murchies, uh, these type of guys, uh, go to a, another level. And they've got some young blokes there that we haven't seen or heard of too much over, uh, you know, that have been in the system the last couple of years that just kick. Um, but for me, I think this Parramatta side, this season will be one where they go backwards rather than going on and winning a comp. It's hard to see them making a grand final again. I agree, Loz. And Wonga Blake's recovering from a broken arm and Nathan Brown from a hamstring yeah, injury. So both those guys could doubt. be missing as well. So, you know, again, you know, with Parramatta, I thought they played terrific football last year. I thought they really had discovered the style of football that I think best suits them and what they had at their disposal. Taking away Isaiah Papali on that edge, he's a line-breaking back rower. They put in Ryan Madison, different style. Will that affect their performance? Probably. Well, I think it will in terms of line breaks, but creating second phase, Madison can do that. Um, but he's just got to get the right balance in his game, Madison, between you know being that ball player and being a, a runner where he just carries the ball. Um, but they're, they're a strong squad. They're a strong team. Uh, Moses re-signing, Dylan Brown re-signing. So they believe in the systems they've got in place. They believe in their squad. And if you've got that self-belief and making a grand final last year, you know you've got the capability um, to be playing finals footy. Tough start to the season as well, but they got three of their first four at home. But, uh, gee, they start with the Storm, obviously, next Thursday. Then they got the Sharks at Combank. Then they're away against Manly. Then they come home and p- play Penrith. That is a tough start. And, of course, Ryan Madison opted for the suspension for those games instead of paying the fine. Yeah, but he did that two days after a grand final. Still out. He's, yeah, he is still out. Uh, he since wanted to change it, but he wasn't allowed to do it. So I'm going to give him... Um, yeah, I'm not going to crucify him on that. Um, but, I, I, you know, for, for me, if you've got to, you know, Bryce Cartwright's... Uh, Makatoa, um, Nathan Brown, if he's there. You know, they, they've got to get the best out in these players. I read somewhere where Manly and Parramatta were looking to do a swap. So Nathan Brown was going to go to Manly, and I can't recall who the Manly player uh, was that they were looking Morgan for. Morgan Harper. Morgan Harper. 
Right. So that, that will add to their depth, Morgan Harper. But do you give up a Brown to get a Morgan Harper? Mm, that, hasn't that, that, that tells me they, they think they're a little bit short out wide. Mm. Which is looks that way. Mm. Yeah, when you look at their, mm. their team. But, the, you know, you look at Parramatta and they should be like Penrith. They should have a production line happening. They should have young kid after young kid ready to fill uh, fill in spots throughout the year. They mightn't be ready for a full year of first grade, but they should be capable of playing three or four, four first grade games. But the positive for Parramatta fans, if you're just tuning in today, Michael Chemis in the Sydney Morning Herald reports that Mitchell Moses is set to stay with the Eels after all for around $1.25 million a season likely to finish his career at the club and not go back to his initial club, the West Tigers. And this is despite the Tigers offering around $1.3 million for four years, the number, numbers bandied around in the report in the Herald today. So it looks like uh, Moses, one of the more, uh, I guess, anticipated signing news of the off-season, looks like Moses will be staying with the Eels. But uh, that's Parramatta for season 2023. Uh, just text here, morning lads, what's your thoughts on Dom Young supposedly signing with the Chooks, asks Michael from Foster. We had a bit of a chat about this yesterday, but uh, just today, News Corp saying that, well, Newcastle offered Dom Young on average more than $500,000 a year over four years to stay, but uh, the 21-year-old, well, he was seduced by the Roosters. Trent Robinson, Nick Politis... And the crew there at Bondi Junction. The other thing with the Roosters as well. I mean, we, you know, people were sort of raising eyebrows yesterday, looking at their salary cap, etc. Daniel Tupo is off contract this year, so you wonder what his future holds. Then, uh, Loz, I saw plenty of Knights fans as well on social media, sort of urging the Knights not to pick Dom Young this year. They're, you know, obviously pretty upset the fact that he's just been developed there. And leaving, that won't be happening because the coach, he needs wins, Adam O'Brien. Yeah, well, you've got to pick your best side. If they're under contract and they're there in your squad, there's no point um, you know, n- not playing them out of spite. You've still got them under contract. If it comes to a decision that you've got someone of similar quality and you've got him long-term and you've got a player moving on at the end of the year, well, that's a different scenario altogether because you probably then think, well, I'm going to give the guy that's going to be here the opportunity to, to be better, and he will be better by giving exposure this year, and he'll be better for us next year. But when you're Adam O'Brien, you can't afford to start the season slowly. He's coaching for his future. And the Knights have been particularly poor the last couple of years. You know, And Newcastle, a very parochial town, we know that. They produce a lot of good youngsters. They deserve a lot better for the football team. But it's about how they set the standard and what the standard is going to be for them. You know, are they going to be a, a really tough, aggressive football team? Are they going to be a team that is a bit flaky without the ball, but but with the ball they're going to be very attractive to watch? Like, what are they this year, Newcastle? And that's what I'm really interested to see, to see how much not making the finals has hurt them, whether they've knuckled down in the off-season, whether they've become tighter as a group and whether they want to work hard for one another and they become that team that identifies with the town. Mm. You know, they're a tough football team. They're hard to break down. They play at home. They win the majority of games at home. They don't have an easy... Don't give it the opposition an easy contest. They fight for everything. Um, and then if, if that's in their DNA, then they will improve. But if, they, if it's not, and they just want to, you know, 
take the easy options at times during a game, well, I'll get found out again. I think the fans will lose patience if they have another year, sort of like the, what they had last year. Hmm. And those fans rocked up every week. They were getting close to 20,000 thereabouts every week. Yeah. And they're very loyal at Newcastle, but they're... they're Patience will be tested like if they produce. If they lack the resilience that we saw last year. We've got to see a tougher performance from Newcastle. And they're capable of doing it. You've got the Saifidi brothers up front. Both have played Origin and both been, when they've played Origin, have played well. You've still got the experience of Tyson Frizzell. He's still in the top dozen back rowers in the game. Um, you know, Braley is a, is a really good number nine. Um, they've got some good young kids. Uh, but they've got to show that resilience. They can't you know, have things go against them and all of a sudden go to pieces. Mm-hmm. They've got to be able to fight and, and, and stay in the contest for a lot, long, lot longer than what they did at times last year. Scenes at Anfield ahead of their Champions League match against Real Madrid this morning. Adam Pengilia will be glued to it. Morning, mate. How are you? Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Before we get into the usual jibber, can I just raise a topic on this show this morning, Jared? I, I stumbled across the new United Legal ad <laughs> yes. last yes. night. Last night. Has, has your co-host got anything to say? Yeah, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our best acting. <laughs> now, there's a couple of different versions. Did you? What, which one did you, you see? Uh, I saw the one where you're um, getting electrocuted. Yes, where I'm an electrician. Things, yeah, went, things went wrong. Yeah, yeah. Things, things didn't and go well. Why doesn't know, that not surprise you, me in charge of things? Imagine me being a tradie. I'd have no idea what I'm doing. But what'd you make of the uh, ads, by the way? Uh, I got a laugh out of it, Loz. I must admit. And I just, I just want to ask the question: Like, how did Josh Papali'i get his role in the ad, and you were the, you were the poor electrician getting electrocuted? <laughs> well, he was getting operated on, Papa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was getting operated on. There's another ad where I'm the pilot. Oh, you're the pilot. I haven't seen that one yeah, yet. I saw yeah. the other one. Yeah. No, well, I'm, I'm the pilot, and Papa jumps out of the plane and. Um, anyway, it's, it's going very, very well. And I've had a couple of uh, discussions with a couple of agencies who want to get me on board <laughs> for some other, other uh, shows and other uh, commercial campaigns that they might look at doing. Are you sort of blowing up that Josh is sort of the, the star of the ad and you just kind no, of no, no. Well, cameo I, at the Papa's end? been doing them for years. <laughs> right, okay. So, they wanted so you didn't co- want to steal his thunder. Well, they wanted a co-star. Oh, right. You're happy to play so second So I'm, I'm happy to pay. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It's a bit like Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt in a movie. <laughs> you just sometimes you just can't choose between which one's the main actor and which one's the co-actor. You know, He's the, just put himself Tom in the same Cruise sentence as Brad Pitt, Pitt yeah. and Cruise. Yeah. You just can't very, choose when you've got two blokes like that in a film. Very similar acting as yeah. well after seeing your performance this morning, getting electrocuted. Very similar to Brad Pitt. I can't oh, wait to see the Not only do you one. look the same, you mm. act the same. They, do they have awards here in Australia for ads? acting? Or for ads? Or, yeah, yeah well, they do. Can you nominate for the Logies, Laws? Like yeah. an, ad, an ad for the Logies or something like that? All, all I suggest is I think a lot of our listeners just need to Google United Legal and YouTube yeah. and just have a look for themselves. Just oh, see what they yeah. think. They can make up their own minds. Yeah. And, and give me your honest feedback. And, well, maybe you don't want... No, I, I want honesty. I don't think you do want honest. You want honesty until your, it's really honest. Yeah, give me your positive <laughs> feedback is what you want. <laughs> You'll take constructive criticism. You don't want honest. <laughs> All right, I've just found uh, there's an award uh, called the Effies 
for Effies. advertising. Effie, that's The me. Australian Effie Awards. Effie is you, I agree. Winning case <laughs> studies of Australian campaigns celebrating the effectiveness of creative communications. And I'm not even going to continue oh, reading this rubbish. Well, but they're the awards legal. you can um, nominate yourself for, Loss. <laughs> I will be nominating. Don't worry about that. What international horses are coming to Sydney for the championships, Adam? Uh, we've got a pretty decent crew this year, Jared. It seems by, by the looks of it. And I think no doubt the addition of Joseph O'Brien and William Haggis is, is huge for the Sydney Autumn Carnival, in particular Joseph O'Brien, who was racing horses, obviously, in Melbourne with regularity for a few years. And then he came up to Sydney. Remember that? Do you remember that Sydney Cup, Jared? It had to be rerun that year. Oh, remember yeah. that was When they had that horrible fall. Polarisation now. Moonquith happened yeah, right in front of yeah. us. That's right. It was, a, it was that was a terrible incident on the track, right in oh. front of the grandstand at, at Randwick. And I'm pretty sure Joseph came down for that year for the Sydney Cup. But he's bringing horses on mass this year, which is fantastic to see. Obviously, those horses will sort of figure out their target races in the next week or two. I'm I'm really keen to see what this mare does. Alcohol free. It's been bought for, can you believe it? Over ten million dollars to be transferred to the Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott stable. And whether she's up and running and ready for the Autumn Carnival and targeting some races there or not, I'm, I'm not too sure. I can potentially talk about maybe a TJ Smith or even getting towards a Doncaster. But you'd have to think, if they're bringing a horse out there for that type of money, they've got to be looking at the Everest as a sprinter in the spring and trying to get some sort of sort of return on that investment. So she'll probably be the... Well, she's definitely the highest price import to come down to Australia and probably the horse with the biggest credentials as well in, in many, many years to race down here permanently. So I can't wait to see her in action when she arrives. But what's happened to Jason Collette, Adam? Yeah, horrible news, class. He had an incident at the barrier trials there yesterday. He sort of brushed his foot up against a, a guard or a running rail as he was heading out onto the track. And he's broken several toes in his foot, which is quite painful, obviously, which means he's going to be out of the saddle, I'd imagine, for the next three to four weeks in an absolute minimum. So he's going to miss the majority of the autumn carnival that stands at the moment, which is such a shame. We seem to be having a lot of these jockeys getting hurt in the barrier trials at the moment. I think Adam Hieronymus broke his collarbone a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, Nash had that had that heart scare, which I suppose a little bit unrelated at the barrier trials going back a month or so ago now. So, yeah, really unfortunate news for Jason. I was hoping he mend quickly and be back for the for the second half of the Autumn Carnival heading towards the championships. What have you made of the Blue Diamond barrier draw? Yeah, it's a, it's a very even race this year, Loz. And the betting market suggests that as well. We have $5 the field at the moment. A couple of horses who we've seen up here in Sydney uh, race previously in Barber and Steel City at the top of the market. And the barrier draw is going to be crucial. I think Barber's got that, I suppose, middle draw, which is going to be quite handy for him. And given he's an unbeaten horse, we still don't know the bottom of him yet, do we? So uh, very keen to see how he measures up in that first group one of the of the season for the two-year-olds. I think, obviously, Steel City's great. She's got that form behind Red Resistance and obviously learning to fly last start. So she'll be extremely hard to beat, even though she's still a maiden. So... Yeah, I think it's going to be a very even, evenly sort of run race. The Blues on on the weekend. A lot of it will come down to luck in running. And uh, yeah, I think it's probably the market's going to stay four dollars fifty, five dollars a field all the way through. I'd imagine. Yeah, five dollars the field with Tab with Barber favourite. We've just been sent uh, on our text line Loz's other United Legal Lab where he has a speaking part which we can't really listen to yet. But I'm the pilot. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you flying the aircraft <laughs> with a suit on? That jacket can't be comfortable if you're flying an aeroplane, surely. Uh, yes, that's what captains wear. Oh, do, like the, the sky blue suit. Well, they, yeah, they wear they wear suits. They wear like uh, ties. They wear um, yeah jackets. Is that comfy? So, so, oh, it was or two. It was hot when we were filming. Is that a sponsored? But, but Pete, suit as well? Pete jumps out. Pete Glover, who is the um, owner of United. Legal. Oh, so um, the he, owner's doing his yeah, own TVCs. Yeah, he is, yeah, he's the one jumping out of the plane as well. Oh, this is awesome. So Pete jumps out anytime, anywhere, mate. 
Okay. That's United Legal. Um, look, I'm sure this isn't <laughs> oh, on dear. autopilot. So, you know, you, you, what are you doing turning around to the camera for a start? Because I want to start. plane. And I'm anyway. just winding him up to get out of the plane. Give us I need a, him out. Give us a tip oh today, God. mate, and put us out of our misery, please. Uh, we're on a heavy track today, Jared. The track's been downgraded from a good four to a heavy eight this morning with that rain around last night. Race five, number two. Tip of the spear is the best on the program for me. He's had a couple of runs in Australia now in Saturday. Great. I thought he's hit the line relatively well. The big key for him is getting out to a mile and a half today, 2,500 metres. Back to midweek grade. So that's race five, number two. Tip of the spear, the best on the program. Tip of the spear, $3.10. J-Mac, Ennebel, Nisham, Softgate. Thanks so much, mate. Have a good day. See you, boys.